Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week, it's Queen of Pain. One take. I'm so impressed. Usually when when he's reading it, it takes him 10. Well, it makes me feel good that... uh, (laughs) someone else has had to have a script <laughs> all i'm saying is just like i like it to be perfect and well done so i re- you know i care about my work tim I don't we, know we call him me. 10 take dave over here <laughs> welcome to as you were a podcast about alkaline trio we're here to talk about an alkaline trio song my name is tim crisp i'm here with david anthony as always hello and as a special treat introduce yourself jeremy <laughs> my goodness Hi, I'm, I'm Jeremy from Touche Amore. Jeremy from Touche Amore is here. He was like, I got to be on the hit podcast as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. I've been hearing so much about it. Read about it in Podmas, and then all of a sudden they come knocking. Thank you, Podmas. You get one right up, and then all of a sudden you're here. So we got we got Jeremy here as a special guest, first time special guest. So we're hoping that this goes well enough. But Jeremy, uh, why don't you why don't I guess give us a little bit of a of a brief history of of your time with the Alkaline Trio? Where did you first hear him? So this dates back to uh, Soul Seek mm-hmm. and all of those beautiful programs. Bear uh, Share, I still yeah. use it. Bear Share, yeah, 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 <laughs> um, and. I, I remember just typing in emo. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how I discovered, I mean, this was like 2000, probably 99, sure. 2000. So I remember that's, I mean, that's how I discovered everything, you yeah. know? So the first song that came up for Alkaline Trio in like someone's folder labeled emo uh, was Fuck You Aurora. And to an angsty teenager, when mm-hmm. you see the dirt, the words Fuck You Aurora, I'm like, this Magic. is, I'm, I'm going to listen to this song. Yeah, yeah. And um, I liked it a lot, a lot. So I was like, okay, I got to get this record. So then I bought Maybe I'll Catch Fire. Mm-hmm. And and, where, and where'd you grow up? I'm from Burbank, California, basically Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Yeah, suburb of Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, I, I, that's what that was my introduction. And then shortly there, at, I mean, what year did From Here to Infirmary come out? Was that 2001? 2001. 2001. Yeah. So like, two th- I was, I started, I graduated high school 2001, started working at a record store, and then like was working at the record store during the vagrant boom of Get Up Kids Saves a Day, all of that stuff of that era. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got from Her to Infirmary right after that, and I liked that record a lot. Um, and then the first time I saw them was not the vagrant tour because i don't think alkaline trio was on the west coast dates for that mm-hmm. but i want to say it was i think it took a while because maybe i just like missed out on tickets couldn't go sure. couldn't afford it had work or something but i think the first time i saw them was at the palace then turned into the avalon in la and i it was at i think it was like the god or the good morning tour yeah yeah i think it was yeah. like a good morning tour era and they were like playing pretty big venues on the good morning tour, yeah right? like that like that like the avalon is like i'm gonna assume at least like a 1500 cap room or something like that yeah so it was like pretty pretty big and then the, i think like i i really haven't seen them that many times in my life like uh i saw them then with like gaslight anthem and broadway calls at the key club which is now mm-hmm. defunct <laughs> um years later and then the last time i saw them was at riot fest Sure. So yeah. you've seen them like three times. Yeah, really not that many times. Like if it like huh. at most four times. Whereas like wow. you mentioned on the drive over, you've seen them thirty times. Yeah. And and again, like for me that was like one seeing them young. So I was like 
nine-ish years yeah. old, so it was like around the time, nine or ten, so like around the time Maybell Catch Fire was coming out. But then, like, you know, being from Chicago, they played here constantly. Right. And when they did, it would be a multiple night thing, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, I just went. Totally. You know, like, all the time. Because the, especially in the 2000s, they would, like, play a different set That's... both nights. So it wasn't, like, where it was now where, like, maybe they'll swap a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So take me back, though, to, like, when you got Maybe I'll Catch Fire, did, like, the rest of the record kind of resonate for you? or did Yeah, it... it's... uh. I remember liking it a lot. Um, in now looking back though, like because that was my intro record, I, I it's weird that it, it's not my favorite album just because it was like what I got. It's usually what happens, but uh, yeah, I put I, it's like in the midsection of like favorite sure. records from them. Some people fucking love that record. Is where do you guys put it? I I can go either way on it i guess there's yeah. some songs on it that i really don't like i think i've warmed up to it a little bit yeah. since then it was one of those that i think retroactively i sort of after i decided that the alkaline trio weren't good anymore i was yeah. like you know what maybe alcatraz fire actually wasn't that good but now i've softened up to it a little okay. bit yeah because well, when we in episode one you went pretty hard against it I mean, yeah. I was just trying to make a splash. I want. I said, if I'm gonna be on this thing, I gotta, gotta I gotta opinions. annoy some people. Yeah, yeah, you gotta make a statement. But that's the thing is for me, like I got it, like basically when it came out, loved yeah. it, kind of softened on it in the intervening years, and now I really, really like it. For, okay. Just for how like weird and stark it is, and like dark in a way that's not like Good Morning Dark. Right. Like they're like kind of different shades of that idea. So that's to, why I appreciate it. I have to bring this up. I don't know if, you, if we've ever talked about it, but in with with bands ripping off the uh, "You Got So Far to Go" and "Cat Life," "Cat Life yeah. Thief." Have you guys talked about? We have not talked about. No. That. So it's, yeah, this is. It's funny because we talked about uh, Boxcar Racer uh-huh. in the last episode, but they have a song called "Cat Like Thief." That Tim Armstrong sings from uh-huh. Rancid. <laughs> and the base... Oh, Tim Armstrong from Rancid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Tim Armstrong yeah. from the Transplants. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Transplants. Yeah. Um, but the baseline is Lesser literally known character. the whole intro yeah. is oh, literally wow. the same song, uh-huh. right? and you're like, you're like, okay, maybe this is just completely on accident. But you're like, no, because Blink One Eighty Two took out Trio on tour around that era uh-huh. and everything like that. So like, they heard that song, yes. and then now I'm like, is this an apology having Matt Skiba in Blink now, <laughs> or like that's like, like, yeah, it's sorry for ripping off that song. Well, I mean, I think that Dan is, you know personally is he's now been <laughs> taken offense twice like, <laughs> right totally, totally but i'm sure he just like got home one day and there was just a big old check from blink 182 llc like hey uh we're not gonna say why but yeah. here you go but it's funny like yeah. I, i'm always obsessed when there's bands that clearly rip off the dillinger for green day things well, no, like that that's the one it's like is it like a dillinger for green day situation where it's like the checks in the mail yeah you know like it so- it's still so shocking. Like, I love playing that for people where I'm like, listen to these two. I, I it's mean, fucking night and... It's like it's, the same thing. So it's good. night and night. Well, b- brief deviation on that point. The other night, I uh, I played someone uh, Suicidal Tendencies, I Saw Your Mommy, which is uh, Puddle of Mud, She Fucking Hates Me. It's the exact same song. <laughs> oh my God, I, I thought She one. Fucking Hates Me is Rape Me by Nirvana. Well, maybe it all just... It all, just, <laughs> it all together, goes yeah. back down. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> The Alkaline Trio, who really, if they're ripping off anyone, it's probably themselves. Um, right. So I guess, you know, part of this show is, is you know, the personal journey that many uh, Alkaline Trio fan go through of you find this band, you love them, you stick with them. And then there's a point that we all get to where we're just like, 
Well, I've been on vacation, so she's missed me. Uh, <laughs> hi, Chloe. Um, so, like, at, at what point are you saying with this band, like, I, I don't, I don't know anymore, you guys? Probably the same point most people did, which is <laughs> agony and irony. Mm-hmm. And I was telling, uh, I was, I was saying on the way over that, like, I hated that record because of one song, which, which is still like my least favorite uh, Klein Trio song. That that kind of like put a damper on the entire record for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I re- and then I remember this addiction came out and I like did I don't remember having any necessarily like bad feelings about it. I just remember like it existing. I bought it on vinyl. Yeah. Went on with my life. And then I know that feeling. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the last record came out, kind of the same deal. Yep. I was like, cool. Like another Alkaline Trio record is what it is. I I compared them to Weezer at this point where it's like right. you can count yeah. on some great songs, but maybe filler. A lot yeah, of filler. Yeah, yeah. But I recently, when talking about Alkaline Trio, tweeting about it, all that sort of stuff, I revisited Agony and Irony, and I was like, I think I hated this record more than I should have. I think <laughs> it's I think there's just one or two bad apples on it, but I think this addiction is actually the bottom of the barrel at this point. Full agree for me. Yeah, uh, which is is one of those records that like it, we've talked about it on the podcast where like I, both of those I tried really hard to like both Agony and Irony and this addiction, and. Agony and Irony, like, isn't great, but it's just, like, kind of a generic alt-rock record, Mm -hmm. and, like, there's a couple songs that are bad, including the one that you were alluding to that you hate. (laughs) Yeah, Chloe hates it, too. She understands. (laughs) But, you know, this addiction is the one that just feels super lazy to me. Yeah. And, like, is the one that now, like, when it came out, I was like, oh, it's fine, and now I'm just like, oh, this is... So they re- they recorded it with a, with the person who recorded. God damn it! So like I am assuming that maybe they were like, you know what? We got it's gonna work. They're gonna recapture that magic in mm-hmm. a bottle. We don't have to try that hard because people are gonna be down anyway because they know that we were like they're yes. gonna subconsciously say I love this because we did it the way that like when Weezer recorded uh, with uh, Homeboy from the Cars again. Yep, they did the yep. first record. They expected it to just be that magic and people are gonna care again. But like mm-hmm. you realize. Uh, Producers don't necessarily make the record. The band does. Sorry. You gotta yeah. write a song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Black Album to St. Anger. Sorry. It's just, you know, you didn't recapture the same magic. Yeah, it didn't work the exact same it way. Didn't, huh? It didn't work the same way. Yeah. No. Thankful for that documentary, though. Oh, oh it's it's a must. Baby. I just made some friends watch it the other day. <laughs> I hadn't seen it. It's so it's good. It's so good. The, so the bass player parts. audition section. Ooh. I'm a big fan of Lars's dad saying to delete it. That's, <laughs> that's like maybe my favorite part. Or or when um, Lars is clearly struggling to, uh, or, or like like being so defiant and then calls the riff stock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then James Hetfield storms out. He's like, it's fucking stock. Stock riff. Oh, oh, what a classic. You know what's not stock though. Queen of Pain. Yeah. The song we're talking about. Greatest segues, let me tell you. Um, yeah, real clean. So tell me about like when you first heard that. Did you get the... It's on the split with Hot Water Music, Hot Water which music, came out yeah. in 2002. Yeah. So that's... I mean, this was prime CD era. I was working at a record store. It came out. I was excited just because I was like, cool, new Aqualine Trio. Uh, I liked From Here to Infirmary. came out between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys already spoke on... Uh, I, I mentioned him when, I, when he told me the songs you've already spoken about. Four of which are my four favorite Alkaline Trio songs. We, we hit a pretty you, good yeah, great yeah, streak. Yeah, yeah. like Jake Don Green Beers, War Brain, Messages, like For all real. on black, all incredible songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so like as Jake Don Green Beers was uh, also a B side from that same era, um, 
you know, I was just excited about where they were going because that's their fastest, most aggressive song. So uh, I got the split, and um, yeah, I mean, lyrically, it's it's great. Uh, it's I think that I would have been probably ni- nineteen when that song came out. Sure, nineteen twenty. So like, that's a good prime era of like a heinous relationship in your life to where or at least where you can equate it to where like you know his is clearly like this song to me sounds like someone who's probably in a relationship uh maybe romantic or not with someone who has addiction problems and then also Mm -hmm. um he clearly has his own demons and they're not helping one another at all so like so like I'm sure at some point, if they haven't, if you haven't already, you might end up in the, one of these situations where you realize yeah. we're both really bad for each other. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. and um, I think that that's something that I I've always like looked at when I've heard this song because there's kind of a vague perspective going on. It's sort of like this song, you know, the perspective that it's coming from in the verses is maybe different than the chorus or something like that. But it's it's sort totally. of like a summation of like two people that aren't very good for each other. Yeah, the ver- <laughs> I think they might. The verses seem like he's speaking about this specific person, and then the chorus is very much about him. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you, you know, between... Uh, there's obviously allusions to uh, self-harm, mm-hmm. like cutting and things like that. Like, it's a, it's a very honest, pretty straightforward with some of the... There's obviously metaphors, but, like, the, the visualizations and the lyrics are, like, pretty heinous in a way to where like he maybe doesn't do as much later on in his band well no totally and i think it it makes sense with like that kind of era of the band too Mm -hmm. because like jake don greenbeer similarly is kind of singular in its intent and being so like fuck you you know totally and this one is the thing i always liked about matt skiba's writing especially when he was writing about relationships Mm -hmm. was that like it wasn't a like it wasn't always like a demonizing the other person it kind of saw it as an exchange, whether it's yeah. like a sorry about that or like my friend, you know, whatever. And I think this really hits on that well because he's like singing from almost two different perspectives yeah, and kind of flipping phrases that, which is a thing he's always done. But I think he does so well here to like make those verses and even like the, that last chorus feel really distinctly different from yeah. what's come before. It's it's interesting because it's it's a very, you know, nurturing perspective that he has like towards this person who, he, you know, he says very explicitly in the beginning that like, you know, he wasn't very good to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a, I guess it's an interesting, you know, I think he has a way of of pulling back a little bit and finding fault in himself and, you know, maybe if it's if it's worthwhile to point out in the other person, but you know, this is this is a really good example where it's just it's such a such a loving portrait with somebody who's you know on the other side of a of a relationship that didn't work out which is rare right mm-hmm. especially have, for the uh the emo search that you were doing on right the right right yeah i have to wonder if this is the same character in his life that is inspired by jake don Greenbeers because as we know people with addiction problems might sell someone's records for drugs right huh. and then on top of that you go to the continental which is about him driving somebody to rehab mm-hmm. so like there's a lot of i think this is that's all around that yeah, same yeah. era of so you know like it sounds like this is a, a very uh you know yeah there's a theme present. There's a theme present. Yeah, he's he transitions from uh, you know drinking way too many beers into you know the darker things. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, lyric that I'm curious to hear your your guys's take on is the Vincent line. 
Do you mm-hmm. think we're going uh, Vincent Van Gogh because he's mentioned Starry Night? Or do we think he's going Vincent Price because he's goth guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I never I never entertained the Vincent Price one. Yeah. Because I... I that, in my brain, that's probably where it always went because I was like, oh, he's a goth guy. So, like, you know, why would it not be Vincent Price? But that also makes more sense with, like, if, if we're thinking about this as kind of, like, telegraphing his interests a little bit, yeah. he does get more heavy-handed with that where yes. we get to, like, on My Shame is True, like, I want to be a Warhol. Yeah. You know, like his references are getting a little They're not as they're not sharp. as yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny because I I guess like you pointing out the the Vincent Van Gogh thing, it's so, it's so obvious, but it's something that I actually like never really thought about. Mm-hmm. But this song I think in particular has a lot of really really good just images that he puts down and there's something to the the vocals where it's like his his vernacular is always like super distinct but it's almost like this song in particular was written for a strained vocal performance mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's it carries so well throughout it to yeah. me yeah and i mean it's interesting too talking about the strained vocal performance like how pulled back those verses are like there's not really yeah. guitar playing in them like there's that big layered opening with that lead line and a couple other layers underneath but then he's just like playing with feedback in the verses and really letting his voice be out there yeah. when it is sounding so different. Well, and this too is like, as like a first track on the comp, like when, you know, those palm muted guitars come in and then you hear his voice, which sounds nothing like it did on from here to infirmary. Yeah. It, it's always been like a, a thing that knocks me back a little bit where you're just like, Whoa, this guy is struggling right now yeah 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 mm-hmm. absolutely yeah i mean for me it's just one of those songs that like really also speaks to like again we've talked a lot about how like when they were a compilation band like dropping songs on comps many of which are like on remains or the self-titled collection they were always really good at it and like they had done i think a split before this but this is their first like split release with mm-hmm. a band and it really and felt a like band the, of note too. Yeah, that got like a CD press for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because um, like the Blue Meanies thing was just like a random picture disc, random whatever. Yeah, yeah. and a cover, no less. Mm-hmm. You know, but this really felt like I always felt like they were so good at rising to the occasion when they had to, mm-hmm. and like them going up against Hot Water Music, who at that time were like still n- not, I think, on the same level, but like a crazy live band. People really, really like them. I've always felt like when they had pressure around them. They performed really well, and like, well, what's interesting is, I, from a band from a band perspective, like if I was to look at stuff that I've done in the past, where like we always looked at splits, comp songs as times to not worry and to take chances. Mm-hmm. That's where yeah. you're like, this is where we can we can like try things out that we might be hesitant to try on a record right off the bat. Sure. So this might even speak to them doing these songs nervously, not. And, yeah. like, experimenting and not realizing how much, like, lightning in a bottle it is where it's, like, they're actually don't realize mm-hmm. how good they are, you well, know? Yeah, and it's, it's an like, interesting thing to point being, out. Being so fast. It's oh, like, my God. We've yeah, never yeah, written yeah. a song this fast. You want uh-huh. to try to write a fast song for this Atticus comp? And then it yeah. ends up being their best song. <laughs> I think within the within this record, too, like, you have guitar tones that are happening on here that don't sound anything like any, like any other Alkaline Trio release. Mm-hmm. Like, that 
that tone is dirty. Yeah. And the yeah. feedback too. It's it's a new look. Well, and it's it's also like a new look using some of the same parts because like they recorded with Matt Allison who like did God damn it, uh, maybe I'll catch fire, and mixed from here to infirmary. But they did it in a studio where they only recorded this ever. You know, so it's like. I think they were trying to find ways to get slightly new sounds and not just be at Atlas all the time or not like go to like the big studio where they're supposed to like sound really good. Yeah. Like I think they were trying something. And I think to me, looking back on the song now and listening to it today, like it really telegraphs the kind of songwriting I think Matt does yeah. on Good Morning. Like you talked about, like it feels so akin to like an all on black or a continental, a little more pulled back and really trying to like push it up towards a last chorus that he can really then, you know, unleash. Explode on, yeah. Yeah. And that's, it feels like the first time they're really kind of operating in that mode, even if it wasn't the first song they wrote with Derek. Right. Yeah, because this song, like, up until that last chorus, it's, you know, it's big guitar line, and then everything is palm muted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To great effect, also. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I guess, like, you kind of hit on it with, like, you know, you've been in a band that's done plenty of splits, yeah. Like, you know, this is one of those splits that, like, to me, I still really love and I think is really great because it shows two bands kind of, like, collaborating and doing the thing. Yeah. Like, w- how do you view this one, given that, obviously, like, there's a wealth of split releases out there? Like, where does this, like, rank for you in terms of, in like... all-time splits. Yeah. Like, where would you put oh, this I one? Would, it, would, it would be up there. It would be... It would be hard to... Just right off the bat, I mean, before we recorded this, we mentioned... Uh, Amongst friends here, we talked about yeah. the Cascalotary Small Brown Bike one. Like, that's always going to be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would put this in, like, top, definite top five. Mm-hmm. Definite top five. Yeah, because the Hot Water Music covers of Aquiline Trio songs are great. Their original track on it is awesome. Um, and Aquiline Trio's cover of Rooftops I love is, that cover. is great. It's great. And Where super they, different. What they chant something smoke weed? Which George smokes George weed. Smokes yeah, weed. <laughs> because he didn't smoke weed. Right. Was the what a What's funny joke. joke? What a yeah. funny joke. That's one of those ones that you know they look back on. They're like, why did we fucking do that? That was, that was funny. <laughs> that was, we were all high, and that seemed like a funny idea. But now it's on this thing forever. I mean, they did almost call a record "Church and Destroy," so I don't know how much they look at, back on things with. Uh, uh, I don't know how much they really second guess jokes. What 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 record was that supposed to be? Crimson. Really. It was announced as Church and Destroy. They probably didn't because of no effects, right? I would assume, yeah. Because of their separation of church and skate or something like yeah, that. Like, it's I, just too close. Yeah, and, and you also don't want to be no effects. But, um, yeah. That's neither here nor there. Damn. Yeah. Shots fired. Um, are you no effects guy? Not really. Really? Interesting. No. I feel like this guy. Are kind you? Of, this guy, I am. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because they were they were my they were well, You're from California. That's I'm like... from California. <laughs> That's all you really gotta say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that is the interesting thing that I also wanted to talk to you about with because like for us, like we were kind of from around here. Yeah. Alkaline Drew is from Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like our thing. Totally. You know? What were what was like the perception of that band like in California at that time like what did it seem like there were a lot of people into this did it seem like they were kind of buzzing in the way that maybe they were here so being from this weird like so Burbank where I'm from is like the entertainment capital of the world Jay like, Leno yeah <laughs> exactly Jay Leno's our mayor yes, yes. you heard of this guy <laughs> um literally at the Burbank boroughs which is the two high schools at our at the football game of the two competing high schools, Jay Leno rides in on a 
fire truck with the cheerleaders. I'm not making that up. And he announces the game. Wait, every year? Every year. That's oh my a look. God. He would do. He would do that at least through all my four years of high school. Is it wow. like? A, is it like one of his like classic? It's just like, fire trucks. Is, you know, he's right, a big like car it's from, his, it's from his collection. Oh yeah, let me get this from my yeah, fire exactly. truck garage. I don't exactly. even know what Jay Leno sounds like. I'm sorry. You, 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 you're close, close enough. enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, because of this, everyone who grows up there, their families are usually some sort of industry. You know, mm. like my dad has worked in post production since he was in his probably like late twenties, early thirties. Still does to this day. Mm. Um, my brother works in it. My mom had worked in it. Like all, you know, like. Everybody is so like, in a way, it's sort of a very unalt city. It's, sure. It's so when I went to high school, like we were, you know, if you were, if you liked metal, if you looked, if you fucking were goth, if you liked punk, if you skated, we all had to stick together. Mm. Like we all look like the fucking weirdo kids in the corner. So like, you don't really find bands through people you go to high school with. You know what I'm sure. saying? So like. So I discovered Alkaline Trio through fucking Napster and all that stuff and mm. LimeWire, BearShare, all of these yeah. things. So like I found all of that on my own. So like discovering emo and all that sort of stuff, like I was in it alone. Like I didn't have anyone to like go back and forth with. Like it, sure. t- it took until working at a record store to like inevitably meet people that kind of were more into it and then going to shows and then mm. I'd meet more people. And like, so like being from being from there like i couldn't tell you like i went to the vagrant tour and then there was like i was full of people and i was like okay they're you know emo was taking off at that time yeah like i saw fucking the weaker thans open for dashboard confessional at the troubadour you know (laughs) weird yeah yeah weird times weird times weird times uh so like i think everybody at that moment was like trying like i was a metalhead like i went from like being a metalhead kid to like finding punk like mm. I found punk through metal, really. Sure. Or I found hardcore through, yeah, through metal. Like when I, when you're in junior high, you're allowed to get away with anything. It's like when you're allowed to wear a Dead Kennedy shirt one day and then a Sepultura shirt the next day, right? Yeah, and it's fine. And you also just mostly listen to System of a Down. So <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's kind of how that goes. So. Yeah, right, right, right. And now to make myself seem really old, they were. I remember seeing System of a Down as a local band. And yeah, so that was after high school for me. So sure, sure. Yeah. Or actually, no, around high school. Around high school, I was fifteen, probably. <laughs> but yeah, it's a weird time. But like, so yeah. yeah, I, you know, like, I think that I to this day I wouldn't want to call Alkaline Trio an emo band. I think that would no. be wrong. Yeah. It would be wrong. I mean, people throw them in there, but it's because of Vagrant. So yeah. it's like that era. Like, I mean, at this point, people call My Chemical Romance an emo band. So we and Good Charlotte. So we yeah, can, yeah. The yeah. the term is very loose. Yeah. It's so hard to defend. <laughs> it's so hard to find yourself defending emo. You know, like I yep. want to always go to bat for it when I when I see emo night playlists totally. that have like uh-huh. Sugar Cult. But yeah. then you're like, I don't want to be the guy screaming about Moss Icon in the corner. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that makes me look so fucking lame. And they're like, who? What Moss Icon? Like, why yeah. are you? What? Are you 46 years exactly. old? Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like when I have when I have fantasies of like being invited to DJ emo night and I just put on Indian Summer and then cold stare somebody. <laughs> You know, like that's probably pathetic. decent payday, though. It's pathetic. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so, like, because all of that stuff was lumped in, I think everybody just liked it all at the same time. It was right. such a boom at sure. that era that everybody sort of jumped in on it. But, like, whereas it's funny, yeah, like, no effects, that's very California. I meet so many, I mean, mm-hmm. people from Boston that I've met are like, you like that shit? You know, and you're like, or like, I never liked Pennywise and stuff, but like, that gets sure, lumped sure. in the same way where it's like, it's a California thing. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. I and I mean, it. that's the thing is, I guess I was just curious about like the regionality with mm-hmm. it because especially at that time, like that's kind of, I think that still exists now. I think people, older people will say like, oh, there's no like regional sounds, but that's kind of bullshit. Oh, there is regional sounds for sure. You know? Yeah. Um, it's just not paying attention or caring. Yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, Alkaline Trio was the Chicago fucking thing. Totally. You know, for a certain yeah. time, you know, and I guess I was just curious like what that was like outside of it. But, you know, one of the reasons... You know, I saw you tweet like your rankings because you were tweeting about Alpha yeah. Trio, and you put Good Morning at number one, mm-hmm. um, which is not an opinion I disagree with. Yeah, but I want I want to hear you talk about like why that record kind of falls there and how you think maybe like because to me I think this song fits in tonally with that, you know, and like tell me a little bit about like what has made those records or maybe some of those type of songs last more for you than like a maybe I'll catch fire, which was your first. Right. So I think that it's, I think it's like a full package where uh, I can go as far as just saying red and black together at that time in my life were like two great colors to see together. (laughs) So like great album imagery. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like dark and gothy and it's like the prime, it's the highlight of them being dark and gothy without it seeming phoned in or corny. Sure. So like, you know, you got the fucking uh, upside down, uh, my my four leaf clover. Yeah. All shit like that. Like great so line. Good. Like so good. Like uh, his voice is fucked up on it. Mm-hmm. Which, as someone who has a fucked up voice normally in my day to day life, I can <laughs> I could be like, yeah, like I like this. Like this dude's clearly struggling. He's he's depressed about this. He's dark. It's dark. It's evil. It's mm-hmm. it's everything I wanted in the band. And on top of that, the production is fantastic on it. Yeah. It's their best sounding record in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone's out here stumping like, oh, maybe I'll catch fire. That's the best one. That's the best sounding. That's right. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, God damn it, after getting into Maybe I'll Catch Fire, I listened to God damn it, and I was like, well, this is clearly the better record. Mm-hmm. And I understand fully. Like, there's just no debate when someone says, God damn it, it's my favorite record. You're like, totally. Yeah. I get it. As we mentioned, like, mm-hmm. when someone talks about conversion, they say, Jane Doe is my favorite record. You go, yeah. of course it is. I get it. Totally. I get it. Well, I guess it's my, something to write home about in four minute mile. That could be a that that's totally that's up for debate. Up yeah. for debate. Yeah. I almost feel like something to write home about could be the good morning and and goddamn it could be the four minute mile because it's yeah. the it's the younger, angstier Totally. Not well produced. And again, it's like which one hits you first in a lot of these cases. Exactly. You know, like because to me, like, God damn it, like, flipped the script in my brain of being like, oh, like, I didn't realize you could write songs like this. I didn't right. realize you could, like, especially because on that record, as opposed to, say, like, A Good Morning, even putting the sonics aside, talking from a songwriting perspective, as great as Nose Over Tail is, two and a half minutes of it is instrumental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. they were doing weirder stuff on that, which is, like, both good because they pulled it off. Yeah. But, you you know, a lot of that stuff is really messy and it's yeah. endearing. But, like, Good Morning, the songwriting on it is really sharp it's sharp you know yeah. and and talking about drums like it's the record where they have a drummer that stands out as someone who is confident and is ripping and is just mm-hmm. like doing super creative like things hitting hitting symbols where they normally like wouldn't they're like little accents and stuff that mm-hmm. just like give the song so much flair that yeah yeah it's like he's not overplaying he's 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 on the cusp of overplaying but sure. it's complimenting the songs you know when i think back to queen of pain like that's really the first prime example of that yeah because like derek in those verses is doing stuff that's really really tasteful but not at the same time mm-hmm. it's it's like hard to articulate how he's able to make 
like I guess you did with like confident these yeah. decisions where it's like, oh, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I'm gonna fucking throw this in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, he and Dan are locked into a really good groove on the verses where you have Matt just feeding back. So those two are carrying it. And I feel like at the end of like each phrase, Derek is hitting like just, you know, maybe like a half step off or like a cymbal hit. That's just like really, really solid within yeah. that place. One of the things that like, you know, we're, we're talking about like the records that, you know, kind of we, we stick with the ones that we first heard. And like, that's kind of the one, that, you know, the one that you find the first is, is the one that like marks your entire experience. Sure. For me, this was the first Alkaline Trio release where I was caught up. Like I heard everything retroactively and this is the first like anticipated release that came out. And the moment I heard it, I was just like, oh man. And this is my favorite era of the band starts right Right. here when I'm in high school and I'm hearing it as it's coming out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely. So you liked Crimson? I didn't like Crimson because I liked Good Morning way too much. Okay. And I also like, I I feel like one day we're going to talk about Crimson's release because i feel like i there was a new alkaline trio record and i had no idea yeah i mean i've referenced it before but there's an interview that uh dan did around the time agony and irony came out with the av club my alma mater yeah uh and he talks about how he feels like uh, we address this in what episode mr chainsaw maybe where we dig into the the drama of vagrant at the time but um you know he thinks that the Crimson release was a little deliberately botched. Oh, interesting. Um, he didn't... I, I was working at a record store at the time, and I remember getting the poster flats mm-hmm. for it and things like that. And there was promo sampler CDs. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that probably had Burn on it. Sure. Um, but it was at a time where it was really interesting, I think, for record labels because it was really pre- song debuts on yeah, these yeah. cool music websites yeah. and things like that so like all you really had was like street team stuff street right? team stuff and hoping it doesn't leak Those hoping were... it doesn't leak street team stuff right. and like maybe we can get a music video on mtv at one in the morning yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. truthfully mm-hmm. and i remember the music video for burn being quite bad yeah yes. a lot of very poorly used special effects am i wrong no kind you're of, correct kind oh. of willy wonka e. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> burn and Mercy describes a lot of the alkaline trio. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, but no. I mean, yeah. Like the, the aesthetic at that time was very confused, right? As well, because like totally. in Mercy Me, they're just wearing street clothes and like it's very like Tim Burton esque. Yeah, and then in burn like that's heavily made up and like, right it just doesn't make any sense yeah and the time to waste video he's got a broken string for like most yes. of the song <laughs> like that's they clearly sick. didn't care there's we no... got one take yeah, yeah <laughs> they yeah. had to get those cars from jay leno and then yeah. it, it was just <laughs> this the is whole true. this is true um this was also part of a jade tree series of splits right this is a this is a jade tree release. it is a jade tree release i don't know about the series part i don't remember other ones from that time but you might be right well, it's the only thing that the alkaline trio has any association with jade tree yeah and i mean talk about like emo labels jade tree totally. is yeah, yeah, like, yeah. As, and, you know and it's also historical. interesting because neither of the neither alkaline trio or hot water music were on jade tree yeah, right so is, like that's also very weird i'd like to know the interesting background like what the background on that was i assume it's just you know if i had to guess it's like jade tree did have some clout you know like they had a pretty huge back catalog of bands that like what makes, i know they looked up to what makes me think though is like again all i can speak on is experiences of my own but like 
when you want to do a split with a band, you you befriend the band, you're friends yeah. with them, you say, we should do a split together, and then normally you go, well, who's going to pay for this? And then you go, <laughs> yeah. and then you go, uh, hey, label that Alkaline Trail is currently on, would you want to do this? And they might say, we can't afford it, we don't want to do it right now. And then mm-hmm. they go, then Hot Water Music goes, hey, label, can we do this? And they, no idea, maybe it was like, we can't afford to do the alkaline trio records too or like recording yeah well it is interesting because no idea did put out the vinyl of it true that that dreaded picture disc yeah so So, like i don't understand what that (laughs) relationship was yeah and it's not like anyone was fighting for digital at the time because that shit didn't exist no so so i don't understand what like it's a very weird release into j tree's lap yeah like i wonder if like they caught wind that they're thinking about doing it and they just jumped at it i mean maybe they where's j tree based out of delaware I was about to say maybe they played Delaware and they <laughs> that, that didn't happen. Hi, we're in Delaware. Delaware yeah, yeah. We're playing the one place <laughs> yeah. in Delaware. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 definitely weird. I will say, like we talked about it in the Mr. Chainsaw one. Like I know Alkaline Tree was trying to get off Vagrant. Yeah. Around the so maybe it was infirmary. testing the waters. Maybe. Um, but yeah, it's just like a lot of this period of time for this band is very weird to me, just because. Again, it, it, a lot of it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it just kind of works. And that's always been representative of this song for me, where I'm like, they're doing things that they really never did again. They really just kind of experimented and made it work. It made a song that I still think, like, hearing it even now, I'm like, this still, it doesn't sound super dated to me, yeah. you know? It just really sounds like this is the type of band that, like, even though they were evolving away from the band I initially found, I was like, this is still great. Like I didn't have the reaction of, yeah. Oh, they're selling out or do it. It was just like, well, I think it speaks to that when bands end up doing splits or comps or whatever, and you find the best songs from them, it's because they're in a period of trying things out that they mm-hmm. maybe aren't confident with, with doing a record, you know? Yeah. So like they obviously hit a chord and they were like, well, I guess this people do like this. This does work. And then they totally. wrote Good Morning. Yeah. But they didn't write a song ever again as fast as Jake didn't. <laughs> well, that's what no effects is for, my friend. <laughs> well, I feel like you could definitely have a no effect, and not you, but no, not have me. a no effects podcast. Where there's too much material and there's too many bad songs, but sometimes they write a fucking great song. Like The Decline. <laughs> like The I refuse to call that a song. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great, it's a great song. Sure. But <laughs> sure, yeah, it's sure. long. It's too long. So much like this podcast, which is now too long. Jeremy, we do this at the end of every episode. We yeah. rate it on our skull system. Out, out of five. how many? Out of five. Out of five. How many skulls do you give Queen of Pain? Do you do points? Like point five, point yes. whatever? Okay. I'm going to give this a, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Ooh. I'll give it a 4.5. Close to the top, not the top. Close to the top, not the top. Because there's Jake Dunn Green Beers. That's a five. Fair enough. I, As I've said on the podcast a lot of times, before we started, when we decided to do it, I made a list of 20 songs that get yeah. a five. Yeah. The song gets a five for gets me. Gets a five, okay. Five out of five, baby. Okay. No okay. no bones about it. No bones it. about it. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Thanks so much for hey, coming by. Happy to be Thank here. You, First Jeremy. guest, it, it was a total pleasure. No better way to be in Chicago and this yeah. just the talk about yeah. the most chicago thing possible well, yeah it's this. we'll go get uh hot dogs yeah <laughs> yeah i'm sorry for interrupting your your pitch there. no, no you go all good it. subscribe on itunes uh rate it write a review hit us up on twitter i'm at better yet pod he's at 
DB Anthony. Anthony. You got anything to plug? Uh, when is this coming out? Next week. Oh, uh, my band Touche Mori is on tour with Turnstile right now. Uh, hitting everywhere. Come out. Go see him, baby. Thanks, folks. Stars at night.